Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. 087-1400-106 is our WhatsApp number if you'd like to contact us uh, about uh, parenting, which, of course, we're starting now. Joanna Fortune joins us once again. Afternoon, Joanna. Good afternoon, Sean. Uh, here's the first question. Once a week, my 12-year-old son is allowed to buy a roll on the way to school for his lunch. He is kind, sensitive and affectionate, but also has a tendency to be a bit lenient with the truth. He told me that a staff member in the local shop had questioned him on whether he'd paid for his role. My son was adamant that he had and told me that he showed the staff member his receipt. I was very shocked, but when I asked him for the receipt, he said he threw it into the bin at school. I then checked his jacket and the money that I gave him for the roll was still in his jacket pocket. I challenged him over this, but he went into total defence mode. I'm really quite worried about this behaviour and I know we really need to nip this in the bud. Should we remove privileges, i.e. screen or phone time, for a few days? I was also thinking of bringing him down to the shop to apologise to the staff involved. Even getting him to admit it would be a feat in itself. Oh, okay. Now, there's a few things. So you're, if you haven't yet gotten him to admit it, and we're assuming there is something to admit, mm. I always want to give benefit of the doubt here. Let's let's hold that in mind. But what is he apologising for if he feels, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I did nothing wrong. You're making him apologise. So I think actually, while I understand that instinct, let's get him to apologise. You can do that once he has owned up to what he has done and acknowledged yeah. what he's done, if he has done it. I think this is really important. Right now, you think rather than you know. Mm. OK, I'm not naive. I know on the balance of probability <laughs> before looking fishy, in fairness. that WhatsApp number <laughs> for me, um, I know on the balance of probability there is a lot of evidence tipping one way, but we still don't know. OK, that means you approach him with curiosity over certainty. So when you read out there, I challenged him. I yeah, like, OK, yeah. well, that's going in saying the money's in your pocket. You didn't pay. Therefore, you took a job done. You know, you go in all kind of Agatha Christie style tying it up in a bow and saying, I've cracked it. He hasn't even gotten to explore that with you. I think the best approach to this is, you know, I was thinking about what you told me because he did tell you and I find that interesting. You know, he came back and he said, oh, someone in the shop said I didn't pay, but I did. But I showed them the receipt, but I no longer have the receipt. First of all, I think there is a good lesson in this for everybody that when our children are going to, you know, shops or deli counters in groups of kids and they're all getting rolls and once it's good practice to tell them to ask for and hold on to a receipt because it would be so easy for a staff member to go, who has paid and who hasn't paid here? So that's a good lesson anyway. But he told you this happened and I kind of feel it's a little bit like him beginning to tell on himself. You know, maybe it's a shop you go to as well. Maybe somebody could maybe. mention it to you. But Maybe also he was he worried that somebody from the <clears throat> shop might get in touch with That's her. That's what I'm thinking or someone else in his group <clears throat> might say it and it would get back to you. It does sound a bit like that. But, you know, I also think if you go to him and say, you know, you told me the story about, you know, what happened in the shop and it was really shocking for you. So imagine my surprise when I was hanging up your coat or whatever it is and I could hear the money in the pocket I mm. looked and it was the same money I had given you. Um, how did you pay for the roll? Because what if he had a really lucky day and found a fiver on the road on his way to the shop? Again, I'm not naive, everybody. I'm just playing devil's okay. advocate here that 
What if? Well, I hope his story's better than that. But, you know, what if? What if he's yeah, like, actually, yeah. you know, this is what happened. So I do think go at it with curiosity, but keep going, going, oh, you found it. Where did you find it? And you just picked it up. Was there nobody around? And if you stick with the story and keep going, he's going to trip himself up and yeah, run out of yeah. road. That's the nature of these things. It sounds like it was an opportunistic let me, am I going to use the word crime? It was an opportunistic crime, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. He, he was at, did you pay? And he did a knee jerk response of, I did. Yes, I've already paid you. But he's carrying that bit of, and he's knit a narrative around that. It mm. was opportunistic. He didn't go in by the sounds of it with the intent of stealing the role. Okay. Yes. With that, there might have been some excitement, that bit of, risk-taking behaviour, that boundary-pushing behaviour, that testing limits, that defying the rules, that can be a bit exciting. But after the initial excitement, there can be that guilt. There often is that guilt. Yeah. Guilt in itself, while deeply unpleasant, can be very helpful because it can le- we can learn from it and go, I feel really badly about that. Here's what I would do differently. Give him permission to tell you honestly what happened. And tell him he would only be in serious trouble if he doesn't tell you and you find out anyway. Be honest with him that at the moment your suspicion is that he didn't pay for the role. That's the story you're telling yourself. And put it like that. The story I'm telling myself right now is you didn't pay for your role. And I'm really upset about that. If there is another story, I need you to help me understand it. Mm -hmm. And then say the right thing to do would be to go in and pay for the role. I believe I've raised you to do the right thing. And I think if you continue to have doubts about this, that he's repeating this behaviour, he, if anything, the privilege that's taken away is the buying of the role. He doesn't get to go yeah. to the shop without you with his own money and buy a role if you can't trust he'll pay for it. Because I'm not sure about removing privileges like screen and phone time for a few days, how that links with the behaviour at hand. Specifically, you're giving him money to practice independence. It's a good thing. Mm. If there has been a breach of trust, trust can be repaired, it can be re-earned, it can be healed, but that's a process. So you put it to him that, do you know what? I'm going to give you your roles for the next few days, for the next few weeks, whatever it is, and let's build ourselves back up to this because I'm just, the story I'm still telling myself is that's not how it went. Mm. The, the Yes, the privilege of, of buying the role may be gone anyway if he, if he, pocketed the role and then someone accused him of in the shop accused him of not buying it and somehow he talked his way out of it or whatever they may already think that kid was in here the last time and he doesn't want to go back there could be that you're absolutely right uh, that you're absolutely right but I think I would also be saying to him that going to the shop to with your own money to buy your own role is a privilege and privileges yeah. aren't rights they're not entitlements so actually that privilege has to be earned and you're just you're not you're, in nothing I've said have you said you're lying you stole it you haven't gone in that kind of attack language mm. what you're saying is the story I'm telling myself is this doesn't add up I'm telling myself that you didn't pay for it I hate that I'm telling myself that yeah. I wish I could tell myself the story you're telling but it's not adding up for me right now so until I can make sense of this I'm going to be giving you your role on a whatever day of the week it is. Yeah. My eldest child is almost four and we're navigating all the firsts of parenting, including her exposure to TV. In my innocence, I thought Barbie, a cartoon, would be suitable for her. But jeepers, was I wrong? She's picked up the American upward inflection in her speech. She will only wear pink uh, and dresses and says uh, she's a princess like Barbie. She refuses to wear leggings and runners, even in the playground. We've stopped her watching it. There was a lot of drama over that. But I really feel like everything about her has changed. She, She used to like dinosaurs 
outdoors and kicking a football with daddy in the park, getting messy in her muddy puddles, etc. Uh, I feel like I don't want her to be this way, but maybe I have to let her go through this phase. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is just so normal. I think so many parents have been here as well. You're like, you know, going out of your way. I'm not going to buy into this gender stereotyping of toys and clothes. Mm. And four or five years in, you're like, how did this happen as you parade after the royal princess around <laughs> your house? So I think this is really, really common. You know, children learn by mirroring, you know, mostly their caregivers, but also other influences. And by the age of four, they're really in preschool. They're with other children, other influences. Their, inf- their sphere of influence is getting bigger than just us. Yeah. And so we see the impact of that. It, they also draw it, of course, from TV. I mean, I've said it before, but exposure to, you know, a broad, diverse range of play, toys, movies, books, whatever it is, is most helpful. I, I know the Barbie cartoon this parent is talking about and it's it's quite adolescent and it's Yeah, they're all musicians and, and, and lo- loads of people called Barbie in it. Yeah, confusingly. And it's it's yeah. it confusing is a perfect yeah. word for it. Um but you know, I think we can think, oh Barbie, Barbie's a doll for kids, ergo this is fine. It's a really good lesson that before we put anything on for our kids to watch, sit with them for the five to, at her age they're typically five to seven minute episodes mm. if it's longer than that the clue is in that it's probably not suitable for her age group if they're 25 minute episodes or 30 minute episodes that's relying on a longer attention span than yeah. a typical four-year-old would have watch a couple of episodes and say yeah this is okay this is not say oh this is new we've never watched it before let's watch it together and make sure it's okay if it's not okay we'll find something else and I think it's always useful as parents to be aware of you know cartoons that have Irish accents as well so that you are again including those puff and rock is such, it goes straight to my mind is a perfect example of it you know there's lots of lovely nature learning in it um, but it's it's narrated by Chris Donoghue is that his name? Chris O'Dowd Chris Chris O'Dowd O'Dowd. and um, he's narrating it and they're all Una and Mossy and May and it's all relatable accents names and narrative that's in it so mixing in a few things like that is part of what I mean by making sure it's diverse because so much children's TV is very American. Oh, yeah. Very and that something couldn't else. be more American. Yeah. And that, that one in particular is. So I think it's OK to go back and say, oh, you know, this isn't right. The fact, though, that Sean, she is playing in this way and as her, it's not unusual for play patterns to change and evolve as children's development changes mm. and evolves. So she's showing you this is what she's interested in. But be interested in what's interesting her. Don't look at it and go, really? That? That's what you want to wear? You know, be interested in it and she'll find her way back to the muddy puddles. If she sees you jumping in muddy puddles, this is what I mean by lead by example. If she sees both of you, her parents, jumping and running and doing the things, she will be interested in what you make interesting as well. Yeah. It is difficult to insulate them from the, are we putting the trash in the yard all of a sudden? Uh, uh, where that comes from. I, uh, the I do garbage truck. And yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, hi, Joanne. My little uh, nine-year-old girl was out playing with her friends when she found her pet cat dead on the road. This happened about two weeks ago and she's still devastated. I suggested getting a new pet, but she said no, a cat could replace her pet. I'm worried she's not healing fast enough and might have depression. I suggested to my husband about bringing her to a counsellor to talk about it, but he thinks she doesn't need to shrink at the age of nine. Uh, What can I do to help her? There's so many things that you've managed to squeeze into so few sentences there. 
sad. I just need to kind of, okay, let's go back. She's nine. This may, it may not, by the way, but it may be her first experience with loss. And what mm. a way to be confronted with it. She goes out to play the, yeah. and she finds her cat, her loved cat, dead on the road. Like that's such a shock to her system and so scary and so overwhelming. And she's nine. And it was two weeks ago. Like your yeah. expectations for where she should be two weeks on from such an experience is not realistic. So you're you're not going to come in after two weeks and say, but that was ages ago, two weeks ago, you should be fine now. Do you want a new cat? Yeah. You know, it's just not the way it I works. I wonder when she suggested it. When was the day she yeah. found the cat? I mean, I think hold in mind that acute grief after loss of a pet can certainly be at an acute level up to a couple of months, yeah. not a couple of weeks, a couple of months. And symptoms of grief following the loss of a pet can last and linger up to a year. And I don't mean to say that in a really prescriptive way that you're like, well, it's been two months. Come on, tick, tick, get over mm. it. It's not like that. Everybody engages with loss differently and it's our own story and way of relating to it. I wonder, though, because when loss of a pet occurs, while it's deeply upsetting and, and there is absolutely grief associated, if handled well, there can be a learning opportunity about life and death and the circle of life and how things go if handled sensitively, you know. And I wonder if you could get a memory board, like just a cork board, you know, that you stick things in with pins into and make a memory board of the cat, about the cat, the things the cat liked. Or then it can go from the board into a box, like a shoebox, all the photos or the cat's toy or the cat's collar, whatever Mm. it is. All of the little bits, memory bits can go in a box and she can keep the box and gradually the box can go under a bed or in the wardrobe or it can begin as she's ready to push the memory box further out at her terms. I think that could be good. I think there's some really nice books to hold in mind. I think specifically Goodnight Mog by Judith Kerr. It's the end of the Mog series of books. Anyone who's Mog has lots of adventures over the series of books, but the series ends, spoiler alert, with Mog's death. And it's beautifully handled by mm. Judith Kerr in that book. And it's it's about Mog is tired and she's leaving the world and there's that kind of a death in it. Also, I think Eva Ellen's book, When Sadness Comes to Call, can be applicable around any loss. And it's a really nice book because it's a nice narrative to frame conversation about this because it's a difficult thing to talk about. And of course, the invisible string that while the cat is gone, you can use the analogy of Patrice Karst's invisible string book that we're still connected to the things and people that we've loved and lost by this invisible string between our hearts. Mm. And you can do it that way. I think I'd go back because I think you might have with the best of intentions in trying to get her through this you may be trying to rush her prematurely through this experience and you're short circuiting her grief process. I think go back and start with the apology of I didn't give you enough time with this. I saw that you were upset and shocked. And as your parent, I just wanted to jump in, make it better like it didn't happen for you. And that wasn't fair to you. And that Mm. wasn't respectful. And I'd like a do over because here's what I think I should have done with this and around it. I don't think she has depression because she's having a grief response. That's a very particular word to use. And, you know, in terms of bringing her to a counsellor or a shrink, the language used here, like, I don't know what image you have in mind, but for nine year olds, she's not going to be lying on the chaise long 
um, you know, 30 minutes twice a week. That's not how it's going to be. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. That's a perfectly valid way of doing therapy. But for children, we're really looking at representational quality. We're looking, in other words, at them using play Mm. as a means of expressing what they've experienced, play as their language. So if, if she ever did need to see a child therapist, that's the experience it would be. Just, yes. to, I just yeah. want to challenge that yeah. little bit of a stereotype <laughs> there at the end. But I do think that how she's feeling it has context. You know, she's had a terrible fright, a terrible loss. I can't even imagine what that was like for her to be out with friends and find her own cat in that way. And because yeah. of that, I have to infer that the cat didn't die of natural causes. Yeah, so you so don't, I don't Yes, exactly. Oh, and she has to reconcile that this terrible thing happened and she wasn't prepared for it. Yeah. So I think lots of nurture, love and comfort here. And notwithstanding the fact that she, which makes it more shocking for her that she found the cat, but like this is a thing that kids routine, usually with pets, maybe with a grandparent mm-hmm. go through and maybe educational is the wrong word, but, but you know, there is something to, oh, yeah. to that sense that that's something they have to learn about. Oh, absolutely. And loss of a pet is not infrequently our first experience of loss, but it is. And again, that's what I mean. If handled well, you can talk about validating those feelings of distress and upset and how normal it is to be upset when somebody we have loved has died. Mm. And that when somebody has died, like with her cat, it means the cat is not breathing anymore. The cat's heart is not beating anymore and the cat's life has ended and we're really, really sad about it. And it might be nice for us to sit and think about all the good times and the happy memories we have. And why don't we make that memory board I spoke about? Let's make something that can then go into a shoebox and whatever way the cat was buried. Um, You know, I don't know how that was done. That's not mentioned here. Mm -hmm. But maybe she could go and leave a flower where she found the cat, something symbolic that marks closure for her in a way of saying goodbye when she never got to yeah. because of the way this happened. And, and I know, you know, the heart was in the right place with they will get a new cat. Yeah, of but, course. Uh, but uh, uh, given that this parent has put that on the table, Oh, so it's on speak, the table now. Yeah. Do you, do you just, like, let it sit there until, you know, the nine-year-old mentions it? Yeah. Or, or what do you do? I yeah. would let it... You've opened the door that there can be another cat. She has told you no cat can replace this cat. Mm. She is right. You are not getting a cat to replace this cat. You're saying another cat might come into your family, a different cat, entirely different cat. And you can love a different cat without taking away the love you had for the first one. It's just too soon. Yeah, indeed. Joanna, thanks a million for coming into us. Rocket Sense as ever. Joanna Fortune there. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.